This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is missionary Kevin Brown. Our message and our theme from the very beginning has always been about God's mercy and grace. And I haven't changed it because that is the most powerful thing that I know that has impacted my life. When you think about it, God's mercy and grace. And we're going to look today as far as God's mercy and grace and what it means to us and how we're to respond to it. Our text verse has always been Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 2. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn there with me, we'll read this verse. And while you're turning and looking for the book of Jonah, obviously he's not the best example of a missionary. If you're familiar with the story, and we're going to look more about what happened to Jonah and the decisions that he made. But he said something very profound in, these, in this verse, Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. It says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. Listen to this. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Here Jonah is making a, a confession, if you will. He's telling the Lord the reason he did what he did, the reason he was living the life the way that he was, because he knew that God was merciful and gracious. Think about that for just a moment. Jonah understood and knew firsthand how merciful and gracious God was. So much so that it motivated him to make a decision. Initially, the wrong decision. So I ask you this morning, how real and how personal is God's mercy and grace to you? And what is it motivating you to do? So let's take a few moments and look more specifically at God's mercy and grace through the eyes of of Jonah. John, uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. The first thing that we have to recognize is that God's mercy and grace requires action. Think about that. God, in His infinite wisdom and His infinite power, created the world with the purpose to show and demonstrate His grace and mercy. And how did He do that? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39. Matthew 26, 39, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You know, this is the prayer that Jesus Christ prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying that if possible, this cup of the crucifixion, this, what he was about to experience would pass from him. But he said, not what I want. Your will be done. Thy will be done. It required God sending His only Son 
to the earth to die on the cross for sins. That's how, that's how great His mercy and grace is. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Let's read again. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus also had to take action and lay down his life. He had to endure the cross and the grave so that you and I today could experience God's mercy and grace. Now, returning to Jonah, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Uh, let me take just a moment to remind you that Jonah was already an established prophet of God. He was already used to, accustomed to, if you will, listening to the voice of God and delivering a message to God's people. And in this chapter, he hears the call of God that he is to go to Nineveh to carry a message there. And verse number 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. So here we find that uh, God's mercy and grace requires action. It required God sending His Son, His Son obeying uh, going to death on the cross, and it requires a call. Okay? But there is a warning here. Because we all, when we hear that call from God to share the gospel, to be a witness of Him, we have a choice to make. We can either obey the call or we can disobey. The warning is that disobedience, disobedience excuse me, has consequences. And if you disobey the call of God, if you ignore the call of God, if you will, God will work in your life to get your attention. But notice that God is not only going to work in your life because He is also trying to get the attention of others. Let's continue looking in Jonah, chapter number 5. I mean, sorry, chapter 1, verse number 5, excuse me. It says, Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. This tells us that on this ship, in the midst of the storm, Jonah was not alone. There were men. And these men who were with him in the midst of the storm had faith, but it was in a different God. It says that they prayed to their gods, they weren't praying to the one true God. All right? So it's the same storm. God's working in all of their lives. And God's trying to get everyone's attention. Right? Let's continue. Verse 6. So the shipmaster came to Jonah, came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If, be, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Jonah goes on to say in verse number 8, Then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? 
What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So here, the men are realizing that the God of Jonah is more powerful than any other God they've known or heard of. They're, they're fearful for their lives. And they're wondering, why in the world are you disobeying this powerful God? How can you do this? The next verse, listen, says this, Then they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Now here again is another testimony of God's mercy and grace. Listen carefully, because these men are fearful for their lives. They don't know they're going to survive this storm. And they know that Jonah's been disobedient. So they ask him, well, what do we do? And he says, guys, just throw me overboard and everything will be smooth sailing. All right? Now think about what they're, they're listening to. Okay, Jonah is telling them, I am going to surrender my life. I'm willing to die in this storm so that you can survive. Okay? You think the mariners believed him? <laughs> Let's read the next verse. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. You see, people tend to try to do everything they can to please God and to satisfy Him and to make Him happy. But there's nothing we can do to satisfy the judgment we deserve without putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the only option the mariners had was to believe the word of Jonah, repent of their sin, and then go and tell others what happened. And you know that they did cast Jonah overboard. Verse number 15, let's read that. So they took up Jonah and cast it forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I'd say that that changed their life. <laughs> I imagine that we're going to be able to one day meet those mariners and hear firsthand what that story meant to them. But again, realize that it's God's mercy and grace working in their life. So I wonder, how is God working in your life today? What is He trying to get your attention and what does He want you to do? Realize that you're not the only one going through that storm. And there are people watching you. There are people waiting to see what you're going to do. And your testimony through this storm could be the opportunity or could be the testimony they need to hear to be able to experience God's mercy and grace like the mariners. So God's mercy and grace requires action, it requires obedience, and it recalls, uh, requires an answer. You know, Mark chapter 15, uh, the call was not just to Jonah. There's a call today in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Let's turn there. 
And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. A simple call. Go ye into all the world. All right, that's what Buford Road is doing in supporting missionaries all around the world. But uh, you can't just support missionaries and satisfy this call. There are people right here in Richmond, Virginia, in your neighborhood, who need to know God's mercy and grace, and you're the one to tell them. So Jonah heard the call. He disobeyed, but notice that the call came again. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Again, this is an example of God's mercy and grace. Jonah had disobeyed the Lord, but he spared his life. Uh, in chapter 2, he proclaimed that salvation was of the Lord. He repented of his sin. And what happens? The call is still there. The call hasn't changed. God hasn't called anyone else. Jonah is still the man to go to Nineveh and to preach the gospel. So, verse 3, Jonah 3.3, 3. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Now notice, this is talking about a city-wide. All of Nineveh was responding to the message of God this way. Let's continue reading the next verse. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and said, laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. I want you to pay attention to what it said here. For the word, for word came unto the king of Nineveh. This verse does not say that Jonah stood before the king of Nineveh. Jonah, I believe, didn't speak to every person in Nineveh personally. In order for the message of God to spread throughout, throughout the entire city, someone had to hear the message, know that it was important, and decide they were going to tell someone else. And they were going to tell someone else. And, they, and so on, and so on. And that's how the gospel spreads. It can't be up to one person. One person alone cannot be responsible for the gospel. It requires every believer to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Let's read Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 9. Just as important of the, as the call is this, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Even Paul himself, knew that the message had to continue after he was gone. And all of the people that he had been working with and teaching and preaching to, he was telling them, it's your responsibility to keep doing the same thing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Again, Paul is talking to Timothy. And notice what he says in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So Paul was not only telling Timothy to do the same thing, he was telling him, you've got to prepare people yourself to carry this message. 
So the mercy and grace requires others. And lastly, God's mercy and grace motivates us to do something. Again, look at our text verse in Jonah chapter 4, verse number 2. Jonah said, For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. I cannot sit back and relax and live a life enjoying the pleasures of this world knowing that there are people who have not experienced God's mercy and grace the same way I have. Jonah himself had to come to realize that he experiencing God's mercy and grace had a great responsibility to tell others. Do you realize exactly what grace and mercy is? Imagine, if you will, for just a moment, a judge. Before this judge, there's a young man standing before him, guilty of a crime. He broke the law. And unfortunately, in the moment he broke that law, he was in danger. He could have been killed. Instead of him being killed in that moment, another young man saved his life and his life was lost. But that young man who died in that incident was the only son of the presiding judge. The young man who survived, who broke the law, but is still alive, standing before this judge is guilty. He deserves to be punished for his crime. It was an unfortunate accident, but the fact remains he made a decision and there were consequences to pay. Now what would mercy be? Mercy, first of all, would be probably that that judge stepped down and not preside over the case and let another judge make, uh, give the verdict. That would be merciful. Another example of mercy would be to give him a lesser sentence where he didn't have to pay the death penalty. He served time in prison. Or even to a shorter time and have the opportunity for probation. That would be mercy. But you know, living with that kind of mercy, there's an awful lot of guilt knowing that a young man died so that you could live. But you know, God doesn't only show mercy. He shows grace. What would grace look like? Grace would be for that judge to give the verdict of not guilty. I forgive you. My son died so that you could live. But His grace is never-ending. His grace abounds. If that judge were to adopt that son, that young man as his son, and prepare a place in his home for him to live with him, that's grace. And isn't that the kind of mercy and grace that God extends to us? We stand before Him guilty of our sin. And His Son died for us. Not only did He die for us to forgive our sin and to wipe it clean, to never hold us accountable for that sin again, 
but he's adopted us as his children. And he's preparing a home for us in heaven. Now, if that mercy and grace doesn't motivate you to tell somebody else, then there's something wrong. God help us. Thank you for your mercy and grace, and God help us to proclaim this truth until you call us home. You listen to missionary Kevin Brown. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.